New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning. Wow, so much good stuff this morning, huh? Uh, Wally is on fire. Craig's on fire. He said, I hope I can keep up that passion and energy here. Like, Wanda's on fire. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, way, way to ruin that. <laughs> A word fitly spoken is like what? I forgot what he said. Yeah, apples and frames of silver or something. I don't remember what it is. Uh, so good morning. Good to see everyone. I like being up here, if not just to see everybody. I feel like we connect in some way, even though I can't talk with everyone individually from here. But I like seeing everyone out there, and I feel the engagement. Um, so I just wanted to um, you know, kind of get right into it this morning. I have some things from the Lord, just a, a few points that I felt like He's given me this week for us. Um, it was a, just a great time of worship. I mean, that uh, chorus of Holy Spirit, you know, fill this atmosphere. It's like I could sing that a lot, you know. I had that on my spirit all week. And uh, it's so cool when we all get in here because it really isn't about what happens here or what happens right there at the, at the piano, but it's like everyone that brings their heart together to worship. And you can feel it in the spirit, just the engagement and what's going on. Um, you know, things are being broken. God is speaking to us in that time. It's just a great time to worship. So very cool. I wanted to talk about something this morning. I think there's something, an element that sometimes we, we forget in our busyness and life and, um, you know, walk in this walk and walk in this journey with the Lord that, uh, you know, so much emphasis gets put on us and what our part is in. I think if there's one theme that has been really clear here um, over the last several years is that we're called to partner with him in his work. Right, so he hasn't just like set everything in motion here on autopilot, and we're all just playing out some plan that he has. Well, he, we, he has a plan for our lives, but he allows us to partner with him and to engage in him, and we're his ambassadors here. Um, so there is a part of partnership, but I think one of the awesome elements of it that I really like is from Philippians two thirteen. If you have your Bibles, you can look at it. But it's uh, very simple but powerful. It says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If I had a picture this week of a big sign, and I was almost going to put it up on the you know, slides, but uh, a big sli- a sign that said, God at work. You know, God, you know, they got actually some of those, if you Google the images, God at work with it. He's, you know, the construction man with a shovel and a big yellow sign, God at work. And uh, I love that. There was a time in my life years ago where I felt that God was working on so many areas of my life at one time. Um, and I was looking at all the deficiencies in my own life, and I was overwhelmed by focusing on those and on shortcomings, because I felt that there was a lot. And we probably all still have a lot, which is the reality. I mean, God, I mean, he's really gracious with us. But, um, but I was trying to fix everything myself. And I was taking on part of God's job. And, you know, he doesn't hit everything all at once in our lives. But he's really good. He's a good leader. And he, I mean, he works in us. But um, 
the reality is that, you know, God is at work in us, even when we don't feel it. When we've committed ourselves to him and he's in our heart, we've been given a new heart, God is doing work in us all the time. You know, we start getting good thoughts. You know, those thoughts that we have are his thoughts. They're not just ours. You know, we actually start to take on more and more of his nature. Um, but I say that so that it's a little bit freeing. So if you feel like you're in a season where God's highlighted some things in your life or you're, you're working on some things, and that's really legitimate. I mean, we all have those times. Um, don't take too much on yourself. And uh, I'm not taking your responsibility off. I'm saying God, let God do his work too because God is at work in our heart and in our life. Um, and that's like a great reality. Um, so, you know, we start to take on his nature. We start thinking his thoughts. We start really taking on more of his characteristics and the things that might have seemed right to us before might not anymore because, you know, we have a, we're a new creation. We start emanating traits that are his. Um, it's, a, it's a good thing. So it becomes more normal for us to actually display the fruit of the Spirit than it is to sin. And I think that's like a hard thing to think about at some point, but it's true. Um, it becomes more normal to display fruit of the Spirit than it is to sin. It, sin, I always think of this, is missing the mark. So why would we be called to live a life that's focused on what we missed? You know, and if your life is just focused on sin, missing the mark, trying not to sin, trying to abstain from sinning, then you know, that's not what we're called to focus on. We're called to focus on who he says we are, and then you'll keep moving in that direction. You know, don't, keep, don't be discouraged. You know, deal with things in your life, but you know, know who you are, know who we're called to be in Christ, and keep moving in that direction. You know, um, his grace is working in us. Anyone can feel his grace in your life, the, his grace at work in our lives? It's like, wow, thank goodness. Uh, it, it's just such an awesome thing. We're new creation. As a result of that, his grace is working in us. His spirit is at work in our lives. Uh, and our behavior starts to follow as a result of that. As we start to partner with him and what he's doing in our lives and start to follow his leading, we start, our behavior starts to change. But it has more to do with really what we're believing than it does trying, too hard, trying so hard not to sin it's knowing who we are and who we're called and what we're not called to and then following in that direction. So we grow in Christ. And one of my favorite topics or themes in, is just growing in Christ. I think you, you could talk about that forever. What does it mean to grow in Jesus? What does it mean to grow in him? Um, but we come into agreement with the truth about who we are and what we already possess in him. That's how we grow in Christ. And it really has to do with believing Mark 9.23, all things are possible to him who believes. Um, we've said this many times before, but what we believe in affects how we live our life, right? I mean, it is, you can trace so much problems in life to a bad belief in your life. And it can be hard to identify, um, but we can usually trace it down to a bad belief. Um, years ago, when uh, I did my undergraduate work at Roberts Wesleyan, and I know we have a lot of them here, Grace was my teacher. She's been teaching there a while. Um, and that was not an old joke. <laughs> I owe her something. I mean, she's done this to me before. 
Um, so I did my undergraduate at Roberts. I did a, I was a business major, but I also, for a period of time, I have I'm like a couple classes short of a psychology bachelor's degree uh, because I liked it, and I was always looking at how human behavior um, affected buying, you know, like our buying decisions, you know, so it was helpful for business. Um, but one of the things I really remember going through was, I think it's called a scotoma. Has anyone ever heard of that psychology experiment? It was really interesting. So it's that, that thing where um, it's like about a physical blind spot in your life. So it's the point at which the optic nerve exits the retina. So you can take a, a piece of paper and put a dot on it. You, you cover your one eye. You start to bring it up to your face. And as it starts to get to a point, you can't see the dot. And it's like, wow, and you move it in and out a little bit, and you, it hits a blind spot. You can't see the dot on the paper, but as it brings closer, you can see it, and it goes out farther, you can see it. Um, but what happens is it's, um, your brain actually fills in that spot with white. So it's a pretty, pretty wild thing. Our brain fills in whatever it sees around that spot. In the case of paper, it's obviously white. So that's a physical blind spot that we have, but our brain kind of compensates for that and fills in that spot that we can't see. Um, but there's a, a second, second one, and the second one is it's a psychological equivalent of a blind spot. And I think this is really funny because this is so, we laugh, Joy and I, my wife and I laugh about this all the time. But it refers to the phenomenon of not seeing things that are based on our belief system. So we have this joke in our house. I am not a big breakfast person, but I do have Greek yogurt every morning. And I'll bring it to work because I feel like if I'm bringing it, at least I feel like I'm trying to have breakfast in the morning. So, and I only have one. I do Greek yogurt, vanilla. I don't want anything else with a lot of sugar in it and all this other stuff, but I like the Greek yogurt because it's supposed to have a lot of high protein. And I just trained myself to start liking yogurt like a few years ago. So it's a big deal in my life. Um, so I bring this thing to work, and like when we go to Wegmans, we stock up on it. So like, Joy, just get 15 of them. I don't want to run out. You know, like get a million. She's like, we don't need 15. Let's get seven. It'll hold us through this week. So I always have this thing in my mind, like I'm going to run out. You know, I, I don't know why, but Greek yogurt really messes with my mind. So, but I will. I'll go in there, and I'll tell her sometimes. I'm like. You know, call her from work. I said, we didn't have any Greek yogurt. Just let me know. When you go shopping, if you can add that on the list, I had nothing to bring for breakfast this morning. Like, you know, <laughs> I try not to be, like, overbearing about it, but just as, a, you know, just, just as an FYI, add that on the list. It wasn't there. So she'll say, no, we have it in there. It's on the second shelf. I said, it absolutely isn't. I looked all morning this morning. I, you know, took whatever I could find, but that was not in there. So then we actually were talking about it one night, and she said, no, it is in there on the second shelf. I said, I went over, and I actually physically went through the refrigerator. I said, it is not here. So she, after I looked through it a second time and re reasserted that there isn't any, she came over and pointed to it right away. Here it is, right here. It's like, you know, how does it happen, you know? I mean, it's like every husband or man in here probably can relate with that. But it's like, it was not there. Where did you find it? You took it out of the freezer because it was not in there. Well, that drives me nuts. That happens all the time. So, but here's the thing. That's kind of that psychological thing of um, why didn't I see it? Because I'm sure my photoreceptors perceived it, but I didn't see it because I didn't expect to. 
And that's the reality. That's the experiment. I didn't see it because I w- didn't expect to. Um, you know, something happens like when you decide, I was looking at a new car recently, thinking about getting a new car, and I was looking at one specific model. And I never had heard of it, really, six months ago. I never even considered it. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm seeing them all over on the roads. You know how that works? Like You never saw them before. Now they're everywhere. You know, it's like, wow. Because we weren't expecting to see it. Um, so, you know, that was, it really hit me as I was thinking this whole thing through and then how it relates to our lives. Um, I think sometimes we say, I'll see it when I believe it. Or I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, healing, whatever it's healing. You know, I mean, so many of us can relate. We've probably all prayed for healing, and sometimes people don't get healed. And I don't understand it. You know, we've all had people like that in our lives. So we say, I'll believe it when I see it, and then I'll engage in it. You know, and then I'll come to prayer meeting or whatever. Uh, It really, we need to turn around to, I'll see it when I believe it. You know, I'm going to see that thing when I actually believe it. Yeah, I'm going to start sealing, sealing. I'm going to start seeing healing when I actually believe in it. You know how that manifests sometimes is that we just don't pray for people. That's a great sign that we really don't believe it. Because, and I, and I find I'm guilty of this at times too. Like, why didn't I pray when you know one of my kids had this happening? Why did I rush to other alternative sources, which aren't bad? But why I really didn't believe it in that case that God would heal them or God would heal me. So instead of, I'll believe it when I see it, it needs to be, I'll see it when I believe it. Once you believe it, I think it releases like a whole floodgate of possibilities. And I'm not just talking about healing in this sense, but whatever it is you're called to. If you're called in life to start a business, start a company, you have an idea about something, um, you know, you start to say, maybe you're a husband and wife, and I know some of them, and for the marriage conference coming up, some of them honestly said, I don't know if we can afford it or if we can do it. But there were so many of them who said, you know what, it's a challenge, but I think we can do it. They saw the possibility of it, and then the Lord, floodgates of possibilities and ways opened of how to save money for it. Who, who could help, and who could help babysit the kids? And things started to become apparent that weren't before when you didn't believe you were actually supposed to do it. But once we start to believe something, it opens a floodgate of possibilities into our life. You start to see connections and opportunities that, you, that were all there all along, but you really didn't pay attention to. Um, so I think something about our belief systems, you know, I didn't see that yogurt because I wasn't expecting to. I had it in my mind already through a bad belief that it was gone. I was already lacking before my day started. You know, that was my mentality. It's like, it's not going to be there. I know where, I'm feeling anxious about my yogurt. It's not going to be there. (laughs) And I didn't see it because I didn't believe I had it. So, So that might give some insight to all the married couples out here. Why can't my husband ever find something in the pantry? You know. Maybe that's part of the reason. It could be a poverty mentality. You think it's already gone and it's actually there. So, okay, that's for free. <laughs> Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. That is such a monstrous statement. 
You know, when you think about it, Jesus said that all authority has been given to him. You know, um, huge statement right there. That, like, changed everything. That was one of his last things he said before he actually ascended to heaven. That was saying, because all authority has been given to him, it's being entrusted to us, too. And that is, like, so amazing. You know, we are ambassadors. You know, I've been reading uh, over the last month or two the Gospels, the story that leads up to them, reading some really good um, books on that. And I'm just, like, amazed at how everything leading up to Jesus in his coming, um, the way he became king, a door got opened that was never going to be shut when he became king. Think about that. In all of history, a door was opened there that could never be shut of a birth of a kingdom, and a kingdom that was going to be expanding. And that, you know, now I mean, we're a part of that. We talked about it this morning. I don't remember who was saying about the kingdom. I think it was Wally was praying, you know, that the kingdom is here, that we, we participate in that. Kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. So a door got open that nobody can shut. You know what the most repeated verse in the New Testament is from the Old Testament is Psalm 110.1, where it says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That's in Ephesians 1.22. It's in 1 Corinthians 15.25. Peter talks about it in Acts 2.34 and 35. So sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. We're in that time where enemies are being made a footstool to his feet, and we're partnering with that. We're, we're a part of that. Joy and I have been talking about that a lot at home, that just this concept of us and partnering with him, that is so powerful. That, that's our life. It's not something that God's playing this movie in front of us and our lives are moving forward and we have no control. It's We're called to partner with him. Uh, when you're praying here for the sick, you're partnering with God. You're releasing his power and his authority into that situation. Healing the sick. I shouldn't say praying for the sick, right, Craig? I knew he was thinking that. He's going to correct me. Healing a sick. We were never commanded to just pray for him. We were commanded to heal. Um, but we're in that time of partnering with God. And Jesus is coming to earth. Like It was an eschatological message, the way he came into earth. And I don't mean that in some weird sense of the end of the world. It was Jesus coming in his kingdom, in launching something totally brand new. He was the hope of Israel that was being fulfilled. But you know this, Israel, when you read the Gospels, you know that they still really believed they were in exile? It's true. They came back, returned from exile, but they were always under another ruler. They were always under another national kingdom. In Jesus' time, it was the Romans. Um, so he, Jesus' coming was the hope of Israel. He was the hope of Israel. He became the hope of the whole world after that point. Um, it's just such an amazing thing how God came at the time that he came. What he launched was a kingdom that is never going to stop. And uh, for those of you who have been going to the Welton Academy, um, you're going to get a lot of this. Um, he's got some of the best stuff on, out there on the eschatology uh, thinking and he's collected some great works of people and he's dispersed it into very easily uh, understandable segments. So and and also with the covenant and the covenant transition that happened in that time. Um, but when we say it's an it was an eschatological time, 
that was, they were living in the last days of that old covenant system. There was a major transition coming. A new kingdom was being launched. A new kingdom was starting. We're in that time. Peter says this in Acts 2. He says, now, just so you know, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is now Lord and Christ. We are in this time. And it says that they were pierced to the heart because many of them realized that they had missed it when he came. It's a, like a sobering thing. But 3,000 people also got saved. So this whole kingdom, his coming, you know, we've been apprehended by him, by his love. I was thinking about this this week. You know, everything changes for us too. You know, we can't go back to where we were. This message of Jesus and his coming and our partnering with him and us being apprehended by him and encountering him and his love, everything changes in our lives. Anyone feel like that? That's like, man, Jesus and his goodness, like everything changed. Like I can never go back. You know, I am apprehended by him. I've encountered him. I encountered God in my freshman year in college, and I've been on a trajectory ever since. Like I have never for a moment hesitated. But that was because I encountered him. I had subsequent encounters after that time. Um, but I feel like our lives, we are on a trajectory that is really cool. You know, like if you had a little graph it would be kind of looking like this, you know? It's like, yeah, hopefully. It's like, and I don't mean it in a success sense of way, but our growing in him, our understanding what he's doing in our lives, our yielding to his work that is going on in my heart and in my life. You know, we're on a trajectory. You know, we're, we're um, you know, just becoming more and more in love with Jesus Christ. We've been apprehended by him. We've encountered him. So Colossians 2, 6 says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. So again, we see the growth happens when we come into agreement with who we are and what we have, what we possess in Jesus. Um, It's pretty cool. I mean, Jesus came... You know, to restore life in the very essence, you know. And um, a promise of going to heaven isn't a restoration of life. And let's be honest. I mean, that's nice and great, but that wasn't the fullness of what he came to give. You know, a careful study even of a book written by God or written by people, inspired, is still not a restoration of life. We can study the book, Bible, all we want, and all the scriptures and all the teachings, That's not a restoration of life by itself. It's wonderful. I strongly recommend it, but it's not a full restoration of life. We can attend weekly meetings, and we can meet and, you know, whatever, but that is not a restoration of life either. Changing my behavior in drastic ways is not a restoration of life. That might happen as a result, but these can be a mean to life, but it's about life through the person. Living life through the person. Even this morning, worshiping and, um, you know, coming back to it's all about you. It's all about your presence. That is our kind of our center point. That is our calibration in the kingdom is coming back and worshiping and saying, you know, it's all about you. It's all about the presence. And if you've had a really frazzled week, that's okay. Join the ranks. Many have. That's your calibration. Lord, it's all about you. We've got to come back to that point. It's about you. It's about the presence of Jesus being manifested in our life. 
Um, I thought about this a lot recently because I've been really thinking about life. And Jesus, it says Jesus came to give life and to give it abundantly. So any life that has been influenced by Jesus, that's growing in God, should vibrate vibrancy in the kingdom and should demonstrate vibrance in, in, in life. You know, people love life. I think when people know Jesus and know him as a person and it's real in their lives, they love life. Because God, I mean, that's what he came to give. You appreciate things in life, you know. You don't live a hard, rigid life. You, you live a life by the Spirit. Um, I've been talking with a friend, uh, you know, conversing with someone on Facebook. And he's someone that I knew years ago. He's younger than me. Um, he has kind of gone into a very legalistic, um, I guess you could consider a form of Christianity, um, where the, the law is still in effect, and we're to live our life following the Ten Commandments. And he's very adamant about that. Um, and it's, um, I think there's more people that think that way than you'd think. Like, we live life, I'm trying not to break the commandments every day in my life. And it's like, that's wonderful. But I've been talking with him on there, and I'm like, you know, he's asked me what I think, and I said, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I said, I think that when... We follow Christ. When I'm abiding in Christ, I don't want to covet. And when I'm abiding in Christ, I don't want to kill somebody. I don't want to do those things. So it isn't about living to an outward standard anymore. It's about living by our inward life and the Spirit of God in us. And He's the one that tells us and leads us into all truth. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the, the laws, you know, we fulfill that when we abide in Christ. And it's about living by that life within us. I, like, I, I can't imagine wanting to go the other direction. I mean, you know, he's trying to tell me that it brings such freedom in his life. And I'm like, boy, that sounds like a lot of bondage. I, I can't imagine trying to go through and mentally try to not break the Ten Commandments and have that be the whole focus of my week. I mean, I think it's a lot easier to live the way God intended, which was by his Holy Spirit within us. Um, I don't know about you, but you know you might think the same thing. But do you, are there a lot of people here that have thoughts that they have to try not to kill somebody during the week? Or it's probably that God's changed our heart. I mean, if you are, please raise your hand. We have ushers that would like to escort you out to the back. <laughs> but that's like God softens us. He softens our heart. Those thoughts don't come into our mind anymore. After I mean, it's, if it is, you need to go get sozoed um, and deal with that. And please let us know who you are. Um, but basically, here's the thing. God is at work in us. I think God wants to break some even mindsets here of, I've got to do better at this. I've got to do this. I've got so much things on my spiritual docket I've got to accomplish. That God is at work in you. And he's at work in your heart. And he's working whether you know it or not. He's working both to will and to work for his good pleasure, not even ours. Um, we talked about believing in that psychology experiment, going from I'll believe it when I see it to I'm going to see it when I actually believe it. Translate that to almost any area of your life that is a struggle or a challenge for you right now. Maybe um, you, know, you want a house for your family. I, and I'm not talking just name it, claim it, silliness. I'm just saying... You know, you might have a dream in your heart that God's put there, and you have no idea how that thing's going to happen. Well, I think if it's from the Lord, and you're getting counsel from people, and you feel encouraged in that, then you start 
seeing that thing, and I mean, you're going to start actually believing in it. Um, so believe in it, and then you're going to see it. But if it's a major block in your life where you, you can't even come into agreement with that dream or that good thing that's been spoken, you're not going to see it. So you've got to get past that. So we grow in him when we come in agreement with the truth about who we are and what we possess. And we've been apprehended by him. We've encountered him. So let's resolve to keep going and growing in him. Amen? Amen. Keep growing and keep going. <clears throat> going and growing. That's a good one. What God has said about you, go after that and keep moving in that direction. And don't get dismayed by everything else that you see. I want to open up the front for prayer. <clears throat> if anything stirred your heart, come on up and get prayer. Get prayed for. Wanda, can you close this? I can't talk. It will be nice to have Wanda close us in prayer anyways. She's a good prayer. You're going to have to pray like this. <laughs> wow. Okay. Lord, thank you for this awesome time with you today. And we just love you so much. And we just ask that you would just continue as we go out today and just be with us through this whole week. Lord, go and grow and be in his presence all week and have an awesome time in the Lord this week. Amen. Amen. Go and grow. I like that. <laughs> yeah, thanks.